When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey everybody, welcome to Coach Unplugged. Super excited you decided to join us. Before we jump in today, I'd like to give a big shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, the number one shooting machine on the market. If you got an old one collecting dust, let me know. They'll do they do trade-ins. They'll give you up to up to fifteen hundred dollars um, per trade-in, depending on what it is and what kind of shape it's in. Um, mention Coach Unplugged, they'll give you three hundred fifty dollars off, and they'll also work on financing. Also, if you're liking these podcasts, if you want them to keep going, I'm almost to a thousand. If you can believe that, the reason I'm able to do these podcasts is teachhoops.com. It is what allows us to keep the bills on and the lights on. If you like it, if you're looking for answers, if you're looking for a mentor, if you're looking for a roadmap, teachhoops.com is the answer for you. Go over and check it out. Let's set off to the podcast. Um, where my dad was a basketball coach uh, my entire life, he, from youth and through high school, um, I was able to play for him, learn from him. Um, so that's where I, I learned to, to love the game and kind of got acclimated with coaching and right. seeing journey. Um, so from there, I, I went to West Liberty uh, University to play basketball, Division Two in West Virginia. And where did you grow up? Where, where, in, where did you go to high school? Athens, Ohio. I went to Alexander High School. Okay. Um, okay. And where, is that, where is that by? I have a, I have a, um, I have a, a sister-in-law who lives in Columbus. Okay. Hi, so we're about it. 90 miles southeast of Columbus. Okay, okay. Um, so Ohio University is the big school there. Um, grew up about four miles off campus when uh, Gino Ford and Jeff Bowles, now the head coach, and Jason yep. Terry and Gary Trent, those guys were, were so good there. So watched them. Uh, went off to college, played. Um, when I left high school, my dad then became the varsity high school coach at my alma mater, you know, there. So when I graduated, I had the opportunity to go back and be his assistant for my first coaching job. Um, okay. I was varsity assistant at a college and after two years with him, I thought I knew everything about coaching basketball. So 
Uh, but I told him, I said, I'm ready to be a head coach. I'm 23. Right. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go take the Duke job. It's amazing <laughs> what you think when you're in your 20s. It is amazing. Right. Oh, my God. I don't know anything now, and I'm, like, been coaching 30 years. It's like, that's funny how that works. It goes the other way. <laughs> so two years, I decided I'm going to apply for every head coaching job in the state of Ohio. There were okay. 43 openings that year. Um, I, I received two interviews, um, 41 no's, nothing. Right, right. Uh, Went on two interviews, got offered one job, didn't get the other one, took the job um, as a head coach at 23, had no clue what I was doing, but thought I did, like I said. Right, right. Um, Fort Laramie High School, which is about 30 minutes north of Dayton. Okay. Uh, small Division Four school in Ohio, so we graduated about 30 kids every year. Oh, God. Really small, but great basketball there. They had won multiple state championships, but it just hit a, it hit a bad spell. So I did that for two years. And would you do that again? Would you tell the people that are, cause I have a lot of young coaches that listen yeah. to the podcast. Would you do that again? Or would you wait for, cause I think there's two routes you can take. You take the first job you can get as far as a head, because I agree you, the only, we can talk about being a head coach, but until you're one, you yes. really don't get it. Um, yeah. I, I tell people the best seat in the house is the one to the right of the head coach, man. <laughs> best seat in the house because you don't have any of the – you know, you get all the glory, but you don't have any of the responsibility. But but, but it's like, do you, do you, do you agree that that's like – would you do it again, first of all, and do you think that's the way to go? Or I know I learned a lot from when I was an assistant growing – you know, I was the assistant probably for eight or nine years before I got my head job. And I learned a lot along that way from a lot of different people. Yeah. Um, I would do it again. Okay. Uh, for sure. No, no question. Um, I was very fortunate that I worked for my dad who allowed me to do a lot. Okay. Right out of college. Um, he was more of the, the player manager and he kind of let me do the X and O's and make decisions in the games. And now he obviously told me to shut up plenty of times and sit down. <laughs> but I but, think that's, I think that's part of it. I mean, I don't, I'm telling you, I don't X and O like I used to. I have assistant coaches that do a lot of that stuff now. Isn't it, isn't it funny how, as you get older as a coach, you realize that's not as important. No, it, it's no. Very, it, the X's and O's get less important. The, the more I coach. Um, they're fun and we all love to learn about them and but they really don't mean nearly as much as we think because championships have been won a million different ways right yes Syracuse doing it the way they do it to Duke you name it in high school all well, Tony this year I mean Tony, oh, yeah. I mean obviously they had some really good they have really good players and they could score but I mean they won it with the pack line like exactly. they won it with like defense you know exactly. yeah um so yeah I, I would do it again um I, like I said I was fortunate um, and I also had a wife that was willing to kind of take a chance and we did it. And I thought I was going to be a high school coach forever. I got a, I was a third grade teacher and a high school coach. And I said, this is, I'm good. Right. This is good. Years. Yeah. I'm staying at Fort Loramie, right. winning state championships. I know what I'm doing. Right. Um, but then two years later, um, we had won 15 games and in Ohio, you only played 20. So right. I thought I'd done a pretty good job and, uh, got the college itch a little bit. Okay. Um, which I didn't realize. I had no idea how hard it was to get into college coaching. Oh, it's unbelievable. It's, <laughs> I, people have no idea. And I've had some chances just because I've been pretty successful. But it's like, I mean, and, and I'm telling you, the, the route now is I can't even get I, – I mean, if I wanted even a D3 job, I don't think I could get one right now. It's, I, I, it would be crazy. I mean, because I, I, basically everything I've looked at says basically if you don't have college experience, you're done. You can't even yeah. – they won't even look at you. Yeah, unless you played it 
a high division one level and you're, you're five years out. Right. And you've been coaching right. under some of the great coaches. Right. Um, so I learned real quick that in order to coach college, I was probably going to have to volunteer. Right. And, um, so I did. My wife actually convinced me that, hey, if we're going to do this, let's do it at 25 and not 35. <laughs> so we, sold, we literally had a yard sale and sold everything we owned. Right. Um, and moved to North Carolina to take a volunteer job at Methodist University in Fayetteville. Um, and I tell people, I teach seniors in high school. I teach HP stats and stuff. And I was having this discussion with a couple of my seniors yesterday. I said, your 20s is to figure out what you want to do in life. Yes. It is literally. And I've told, told my son who's 17. I said, 20s. I mean, the key to life. And here I'm going to go off on a tangent for a second. Key to life is find something you love to do. Yes. Something you're good at. And something that pays well. If you find the, the intersection of those three things, your life is set. Most yes. of us only find two of them. <laughs> something you love to do and something you're good at. And I don't get paid very well. Okay, I can live with that. A lot of people live a life in one of those circles. No you doubt. find all three. But I said, I told my guy, if you have to live on your friend's couch in your 20s, who cares? As long as you don't have any responsibilities, it's just you. As long as you can feed yourself and, and house yourself. That's it. You're good, man. And then figure it out. And then by the time you're 27, 28, then you get, all right, now where's my life going to go? Exactly. That was great advice from you. Give your wife a big hug for that. Because it's I'm true. Very fortunate. <laughs> it's, that, <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't do that. They're not willing. They're not taking, they're not, they're, they don't want to take that risk. Yeah. And Buzz Williams is a prime example of that. Like yeah. where he is. He just, he was grinding. He, like, he would have done, he would have walked from Texas to Florida to get a job, I swear to God. I know. And then it's, in today's world, so fast and everybody wants it right now. Right. Uh, you have to kind of realize it's not going to work that way. Um, so from Methodist, after one year of volunteering, I was driving an hour and 15 minutes one way because my wife found a job in Raleigh. Okay. Uh, so we were able to live there drive an hour and 15 minutes one way for no money. Um, after one year, I met uh, Joey Higginbotham, who was at Mount Olive College at the time, now University of Mount Olive, D2, um, near Goldsboro, North Carolina. And he offered me a job for $5,000, and I thought I had hit the lottery. And, they're, and, and what were they? Were they D3 at the time or D2 or NAIA when you were there? D2. Okay, they were D2. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yep. It used to be a junior college and then transitioned into NAI to D2. And um, so I went D3 to D2. Okay. Uh, 5,000 my first year and then 15,000 my second and third year there. Um, he had kind of bumped me up a little bit and, and uh, I taught volleyball class and strength and conditioning and whatever they would let me do, I would right. do it. <laughs> and I would sleep on his couch every Monday night after I monitored study hall till 10 PM. Right. Um, so from there, I, I, my wife and I, again, were ready to kind of make a change that, hey, if we're doing this coaching, it's got to become a full-time thing. Like, I don't have insurance. I'm getting in my upper 20s, like you said, and I'm, right. I kind of need to make a decision. Um, so Shepherd University came open um, in uh, Shepherdstown, West Virginia, outside of D.C., and uh, we took a chance and went up there for a full-time job finally um, at the Division II level with insurance, and we were there for 10 months. <laughs> and, uh, and I got offered a video job at High Point. And fast forward six years later. And how, and how did the video job work? Okay. Like, did, did, you, did you feel like you learned a lot on that? Because basically basketball operations or video job is the way a lot of guys get in. Yeah. So um, the way I got in, first of all, was the guy that I replaced at Mount Olive 
was an assistant at High Point at the time. Okay. Um, uh, Dorset, And he called me and he said, hey, we're going to have a video job come open. This is the money. This is the situation. Would you be interested? And I said, yeah, but I don't know anything about video systems and editing. Like at Division Two, we're, we're using the old CD clippers. Right, and right, right. DVD, like hit a button, stop a button. You know, right. old school. Right. And, uh, he said, well, if you can learn it, you know, we want, we want a basketball coach to learn it, not just a video guy. Right. I said, okay, that's, that's great. Let's, let's do it. So uh, my wife and I moved right back to North Carolina. Um, for two years, I literally watched film and learned how division one recruiting worked. That was it. Um, I would watch for the instance this year, I watched about 150 games during the season um, on video as a video guy. I probably watched 200 to 250. I didn't keep track then, but um, every scout you're involved in every scout versus every other scout. Right. Um, you're sitting with the head coach X and O and with him a lot. Um, coach Cherry, my former boss, um, he let me just sit in his office with him and, and watch him decide how to do things and then say, Hey, what do you think? And I would get to put some input in. Right. Uh, and it was interesting to hear him tell me like, no, that doesn't work. Yeah. Hey, that's a good idea. Um, so for two years I did that and clipped up film. I mean, I mean, I, I, and again, not paid as basketball operations, not paid very well, but you learned that's like that's you're literally being like the old days when the the blacksmith had an i mean you're basically interning you're basically being an apprentice at that point because you're learning yes yeah and and at the same time you're going to be doing that and then they're going to say hey go get me a coffee and you're like okay and you jump up and you sprint go get a coffee right right Uh, that's what you do is operations and that's how that's just how it works at at this level and is Uh, opera and and were you in operations or just video just video. We had okay. a director of operations that did all of our travel and stuff. So uh, while I helped him and was able to learn that part, um, I was strictly video for the most part. I um, personally would have, I personally, if I'd have ever done that route, video would have been better than operations. Yeah. So operations enough, is stressful as hell when you're on yes. the road. So interesting enough, technically I was below the operations guy on the chart. Right. right. Um, Coach Cherry, our operations guy left after my first year. He offers me the director of operations job and I turned it down. Right. I said, nope, coach, I saw what he did and he doesn't get to do basketball. Right. I mean, he, he was managing operations and, and, and scheduling and practice and, and like all these things. And I was like, I want to watch basketball and coach. Right. You don't even have to be a basketball coach to do the operations no. guy. No. no. Now some of them are great basketball guys mm-hmm. that just go that route, but I just didn't, I didn't want to do that. And luckily it paid off. I did it one more year and one of our assistants left for Iowa state. Um, and Coach Cherry, having that opportunity to sit with him, he was able to see, like, hey, I think this guy's ready. Right. Bumped me up to assistant. So I worked for Coach Cherry for three, three more years as an assistant. And then um, he got let go, and Coach Smith came in. And now I work for Tubby Smith, which is still surreal for me to say. <laughs> I don't right. even – it's amazing right. that I work for a Hall of Famer. And has Tubby's son work for him? No. Yeah, so Gigi – Okay. Um, is our associate head coach. Uh, okay. Gigi has never worked with him before. Okay. Um, his son Saul always worked for him. Okay. Um, Gigi's our associate head coach. He used to be the head coach at Loyola Maryland. Okay, Loyola Maryland. Yeah. And what did you and what did you learn about recruiting when you did that? So all the on campus recruiting. You know, once a kid got to campus as an operations guy, you can do everything. Right. So I was able to plan the visit see kind of how you know you mingle in all the meetings and the tours and the dinners and who goes where and how to just manage all of that um 
And I was able to kind of take the reins on doing tours and talking to families and the kids when they were there, which is why Coach Cherry was able to trust me. So he was like, right. if you can do it on campus, why can't you do it off campus? Right. Um, so I was able to do that. And, which, and, what, and what do you think, uh, what do you think the, um, what do you look for in a, what, do you, what, is, what does High Point look for in a recruit? What do you look for in a recruit? So now, number one for us now is academically, they got to be fairly strong. Right. Um, the kid that's not is going to struggle. We can take them, but they're going to struggle. And we, and we don't want that. We're not going to put a kid in a situation. Right. You don't want him. You want him to be successful. Yeah. Sure. So number one's academically. Two, Coach Smith is big on character. So he is a, so that stuff's all, all the character. You, anything you hear about recruiting, about character and academics and, and the way they, their family acts, it's all true. Oh, it's all true. And the thing is, it's like, I, 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 here's what I've told, because I've had guys go to the NBA. I've had guys, I mean, yeah. I can keep track of how many guys have gone to the high meet. But I tell them, you got to get on campus. And, and nothing, nothing against the coaches. The coaches are great. But um, you have to spend some time with the players, too. Like, because yeah. the players are going to tell you a different angle than the coaches are. It's, that's just the world. Yeah. You know, they're going to give you a different – and, and I said, that's where you can really figure out, okay, is this going to be a good fit for me? Because all those guys are going to be left. If the coach leaves, those guys are still there <laughs> for the most yeah. part. Yeah. Um, so that, that I always tell recruits is, is so important to get on campus. And not even in, you know, if you're to the point where you're getting official visits, get on campus and spend some time. And those are the people, the questions, that, that you're going to get a better answer from the players, in my opinion. The players are your best recruiters. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's happened. We've we've turned kids away because our guys would come back and say, "Coach, like that was a bad fit. That visit did not work." Because right. during the visit, those guys, we can have two nights with them. They're spending both nights with our players. Right. Most, right. And if the players come back and don't want him on the team, it's hard for us to be like, "Oh, we're we're taking him anyway." We're taking him. You know, you better. <laughs> he better it doesn't work. He better be Zion. Hey, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the podcast as much as I am. Please go over and check our website, teachhoops.com, for coaches who want to get better. 14-day uh, free trial. It's got it's got office hours. It's got one-on-one -on -one calls. It's got handouts. It's got practice plans. It's got how to do just – It's a, it's got a roadmap for you. That's what you need, a roadmap. Um, so go over and check that out. Again, it helps us keep the lights on. It helps us keep this this, this uh, train of chugging. Um, subscribe and like. We would love that. Um, if you love these podcasts, especially on Apple and Spotify, if you leave us a five-star review, we would really appreciate that. All right, let's head back to the podcast. Right. Um, yeah. And we're not getting those at high points. So. Hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the podcast as much as I am. A couple things you could do for us. Um, if you're really liking these, please go over and subscribe and link. We really do appreciate that. It does mean a lot to us. We would also ask that you go over and check out teachhoops.com. Make a commitment to your coaching. Say that I am going to become a better coach. This community is there. It helps us keep the lights on at Coach Unplugged, but it also you know, has resources and videos, and I would put it up second to none on the, on the web. Um, a lot of these... A lot of these sites are stagnant. I am there. I'm answering emails. I've already got calls for tomorrow. I am in there. I'm in the community. I'm there to help you. So go over and check it out. All right, let's get back to the podcast. I think in the college game, you see much more um, of that point forward. The, the team in our league in the Big South, for the last six years, I feel like the team with the best four-man has won the league. Every year it seems that way. Because the best four-man, the four-man that can shoot, play inside, rebound, handle, do it all, like Draymond Green. I mean, that's who it is. Right. Uh, teams win. 
So it, it's definitely changing. And then so obviously, so, 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 so here's my observation from someone outside looking in and, sure. and, and, and it, it looks like the, there's, there'll always be a place for a true, true point guard. Yep. Always. Um, and there'll always be a place for a true, true big, like, you know, if you watch the if you watch the Toronto Bucks thing, the two bigs, yes, those guys fit. Lopez, you know, figured out his game and can shoot three. Anyway, but most of the time they're looking for long twos, threes, fours, athletic. I can put you. It, it's it's the pieces of the puzzle. Like I can put you here. No, wait, wait. You can also be here and here. In the old days, you were a two, you were a two, and that was it, kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, it used to be the two-man. You run the left side, the three-man. You run, like you had your, your lanes. You weren't even allowed to cross the court. Right. And now it's kind of like, give me four guys that can play everywhere and one that's different, right? Or, which is either the point guard or the five-man. Right. Um, what I think the point guard has evolved into, having been a point guard, is that the point guard doesn't necessarily have the ball all the time like he used to. The point guard is more of like the guy on the floor that's just running the show. He may not have the ball, though. Right. Well, I was talking like I was thinking about that with my team coming up. You know, I lost my point guard, but I don't. I have a point guard, but I don't. Yeah, he'll be fine. But it's just like the ball really doesn't have to be in your hand if you get like you're right. It, it's more running the show than it is necessarily bringing the ball up all the time because we look yeah. for mismatches. Yes, like, so like our, our three can be. Yeah, it's like okay, he can't bring it up because he's getting pressured too hard. Have our three bring it up, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. That's the new game. Um, having the having finding the mismatches. That's why the screen and roll and switching is becoming such a big deal. Because you you watch the finals or any NBA series, and those guys they just screen and roll until they get the matchup they want, and then they play basketball. It seems like. So did you go to the final four? I did for the first time in my life. Oh, first time. Oh, yeah. Wow. I took my son. Um, yeah. And uh, and it, what what's your thought as an assistant coach going there? I, I, I'm gonna, I'm, I have an observation as a high school coach watching it, but go ahead. Okay. So I'll give you – the reason I never went is, one, I was really poor. Right, uh, right. <laughs> I didn't want to spend my money to go to the Final Four. Mm -hmm. um, but now I work for Tubby Smith, who is – that's a different caliber, so he right. encouraged us to go. Right. I had always assumed that – and this was completely my fault – that it was about a bunch of coaches up there with their resumes and trying to get jobs and just going to the bars and – that was it. That's what I thought it was. Little did I know you could go there and there's like amazing clinics. Oh, it's unbelievable. It is. I watched Beeline's thing was awesome. Awesome. Bob awesome. Ritchie was incredible. Mm -hmm. um, some other guys, just amazing coaches of all levels. It's mm -hmm. not like you're just watching the high level guys. There's right. Juco coaches that are amazing. Right. Um, so I got, I just learned a ton. And then I did get to catch up with a lot of coaches, had dinner with some people. Um, it, that part was fun too. Um, I didn't go to the games. I watched the games with some friends, but way different than I thought, but I, I loved it. Um, right. Well, yeah. and, and it's like, it's, it's like I talked to Brendan Sir and a couple other guys and it's really about, it's about connections. Most, most, yeah. Your next job at some point, if, if you leave tubby and most people leave at some point, sure. <laughs> but anyway, no, they just do. Um, it's going to be you, 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 let's say you get a head job. Let's say you leave and get a head D2 job or something. Well, yeah. it's, you're going to have to hire staff yeah. <laughs> or your friend gets a job and he's going to have to hire a staff. It's all about, it's what you said before. It's about trust. Like, like you got to be able it's that foxhole. It's that coach Meyer thing. It's a foxhole test, man. Well, I want you on my left and my right in this foxhole when they're coming at me. 
it's not a lot different than recruiting as far as I got to put my team together with kids I trust. Right. That I want to go to fight with in this game to win. That's what the, the, we're doing. Why would I hire a staff that's not the same way? Right. And I think that's a, that's a great – no one's ever described it that way, but you're right. Fine. Picking your staff is like recruiting. Yeah. I basically have had two staffs in 25 years, and that's oh. why we've been – because we literally know how each other thinks. Right. Which is, which is not always good, too, because we have to get outside. Sometimes it gets – you know, you got to get some outside input, but it also makes the system work a lot better. Um, there's no no dead time for you. There's no dead time. We're already like, we're already like, I'm like already thinking, all right, I got to do this. And you know, what do we got that? And all the, everything's lined up. I mean, we're going to Florida for a tournament. We've already got our tickets. We're, we're figuring out, you know, because we don't have a basketball operations guy. So we have to do it. (laughs) Um, all right, so if you go back to yourself as a younger coach, what would you tell yourself? Watch more film. Watch more film than 250 games? Well, that I didn't <laughs> do that until I was a Division One video guy. Yes. Um, my dad, crazy enough, biggest influence in my life as far as coaching, he would never watch a game that his team played, ever. He videoed them all. He has every DVD of every game he ever coached. He's never watched one of them. And he said, the game's over. I know what happened. I, he just went on to the next one. He's the winningest coach in my high school's history. So he did something right. Now, right. as an assistant, I was watching him and writing down all kinds of stuff. But I wish I would have watched more. But I learned I think that's a great. I think that's great. I think that's great advice. And here's why. Because you're right. I'm thinking back, and, in, in, and this is old school. Yeah. 30 years ago when I was doing that, I had two VHS tapes, and I was doing clips that way. Oh, yeah. I watched so much film. I mean – Literally, crossover and huddle saved my marriage. Yeah, yeah. Because, <laughs> I believe that. Because now it goes up to the cloud and it all gets broken down. I didn't have to sit and do. I don't have to sit and watch the game three times to do stats and those kind of things. Yep. So yes, I would say all the young coaches that are listening to this. That's great advice. Um, um, and it is so easy now. That's what, like you're saying. That you got to watch film. Why right. wouldn't you watch film? Right. You can be going and getting your pickup and waiting for your food and pull it up and watch ten minutes of tape. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it'll be yeah. Eric Spolstra, read his story. I mean, that's what he was. He's a video guy. Right. And now he's an NBA, one of the best NBA coaches out there. So Right. And he, yeah. You watch <laughs> film. Um, so tell me about your coaching philosophy. I know you wrote it down on your thing. Yeah. So I'm a big believer in fundamentals. Every coach I've been under has been a big believer in that. So I, I start with fundamentals. Um, I think you have to, from that point, create some type of buy-in for your team. They've got to believe in what you're doing. Um, from 1 to 15. And 15's got to believe that his role is just as important as number one. And if you can get that, those teams win championships. They're, well, they're, they're magical. They really are. They're, they're like lightning in a bottle, them. baby. They're lightning yeah. in a bottle. When you get that, like, it's like – and you just got to ride it for three or four weeks, too. You try <laughs> all you can to keep it going. It's going to stop, but right. you try your best to keep it going. Um, and fight the struggle early. That's what I tell coaches, too. Okay. It's yeah. like <laughs> – just because it's there in January doesn't mean it's going to be there in the end of February or March. So it's like, and, and, and just because it's not there in January doesn't mean you can't like, I mean, one of my teams that ended up winning it, we weren't on page until a week and a half before tournament started. Yes. I didn't have my seniors on the same page. I didn't have everybody. We were not on the same bus. We were like on three different buses driving down the road. Yeah. And then, you know, it was, it was a couple, couple things that happened Ding, ding, ding. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, now we're all on the same bus. You're right. And it's like, 
you got to keep fighting that fight you do. To, to do that. I agree. You do. That's coaching. That's part, that's part of our job. I mean, that's right. to make these kids believe that there's things that's bigger than themselves is not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. And if you can get one through 15 and you're, and at this level, the staff and the trainer and the strength coach and all these other people, um, all on the same page, you got a chance. And I so. think you guys actually have it harder than we do. Um, I, it, sometimes I think the parents at my level have a harder time. Yes. <laughs> um, but I think I can convince sometimes 11 through 15 of their role mm-hmm. better than you can because 11 or 15 on your team was one and probably, you know, top yes. 300 in the country kind of thing. Yep. Much harder sell than it is for me. Yeah. It really is. And I didn't know, I didn't expect that when I made the college jump. I'm with you. High school, my one through 15 bought in all four years I coached high school and we were, obviously we were good. That's why. Right. I got to college and just expected to be able to do the same stuff to ha- for that to happen. Um, and obviously I was an assistant. It was a little different, but it doesn't happen as easily. Um, no. Especially at the division one level when there's so many different things we don't have to deal with parents like you say for the most part that they, they kind of take a step back because we're paying for your, their kids school right but there's a lot of other factors that come in and now with the transfer world it's even it's even more difficult year to year right i think it's like 25 percent or something transfer yes um <laughs> what do you think's the hardest thing to teach carryover the, the drills and the, the, the stuff you do in practice, getting it to translate into a game. Um, okay. How many times do you do – I'm not a big shell drill guy, but you shell drill to death to get a kid to go to the midline, and then you get in a game and you realize the kids never get to the midline. Um, right. So you've drilled 20 minutes every day in right. practice and it didn't work. So, so what do you do to – so, uh, yeah. So what do you do to, to, to fix that? I'm a big believer in small-sided games from one-on-one to two-on-two to three-on-three and build it up because whatever you're doing in one-on-one, you should be able to do in two-on-two and then three-on-three and so on. And when you get to five-on-five, you tend to see the carryover in practice. Now, whether it gets to the game or not, when you get to a different speed and another team running stuff at you that you've never seen or right. not, not that you can do in practice as a scout team, um, but the good players carry it over. That, yeah. They Kids really do. Is good. I tell them all the time watching film. He's our best player because all the stuff we drill, he does it in a game. Right. So if you just do what we drill you to do, you'll be a better player. Right. And the, the thing is, the game is not five on five. If you no. watch any level, it's, it's a two on two, three on. There's only two or three guys that are really involved at any given time. Yes. Yeah. The rest is a chess game. The rest is like move. It is. It's it's a movement or thing. Um, so if you could only do three things at practice, what would those three things be? Oh wow, that's a good one. Um, one, I'm going to do some type of drill that is that incorporates all fundamentals: dribbling, passing, and shooting. Okay. Hands down, I'm going to do something that that has all of that and to get going. Two, I'm going to do some type of defensive effort drill um, because defensively you can fix a lot with effort. Um, and then third, offensively, I'm going to do something with a flow of um, in transition into a half-court offense. Not a set, but just the flow of the game because of our shot clock and, and all right. that. we got to be able to flow into offense more than run sets. Um, so those three things to me, I think, are the most important. Do you, right think, you, can, you think you can teach effort and motivation? Yes. It's not okay. going to happen right away. 
I think that's the hard part for us. We want to do it for one or two days and think, all right, now this guy's going to play hard all the time. No, they got to, these kids have so much going on. My job as a coach, especially as an assistant, is to come in every day with like a certain energy level and for them to know that that's my favorite time of day. Those two hours, two and a half hours, they have to know I'm going to be the same every day. I'm coming in because one day the head coach is going to be really happy and one day he's going to be really mad. My job as the assistant is to come in every single day and coach you the same exact way every single day. Now, I can't coach you in the sense of you're going to be the same every single day because one day you're going to come in and you and your girlfriend just broke up and I'm going to have to deal with all of that. And or the you can test back or something or yeah. Yes. And yeah. the next day you're going to come in and you just left the pool down here in North Carolina and having a good time and you're all ready to go or just came off of a game where you scored 25 and you're ready to practice. I can coach you a little different both days, but I got to be the same. Um, but if I can do that, I think you can over consistent time, you can show them the effort and it, you can teach it a little bit. Now, right, you, don't have, you don't have, I tell my guys, you don't have a shot if you don't give the effort. Like, zero, zero shot. <laughs> you know, it might not be enough, but at least you got a shot. You know, you got a shot to, to take care of business at that point. And, and typically in our film sessions, it's crazy as if you stop. And I learned this from Coach Crutchfield, who Jim Crutchfield, who's at Nova Southeastern now, who's like the winningest coach in college history as a head coach. Um, he basically says that everything can be fixed with effort. Like literally, if you watch a film, you can stop it at any given point and whatever is wrong is an effort thing. Forget X's and O's and all, it's just that you just needed to do it better, harder, faster. And usually the kid is capable of doing it. If you didn't get to the midline, that's an effort. If you didn't get through a screen, that's effort. If you didn't beat your man down the floor, that's eff all this stuff is effort. Missing a shot, okay, you missed a shot. Right. <laughs> you know right. the other stuff you can fix with efforts. Yep, yep. And I tell, and I, and I, I say, I say it's two things. I agree. I 100% agree. I think it's effort, and I think it's. I was talking to my son as I was driving him to his SAT today. We were in an open gym, so I always like send him a couple of things like, "Hey," and just a text. I don't say anything to him. It's like, "Hey, sure. do this, this," and um, and then I'll, I'll, I'll say, you know, he'll either respond or he won't. Whatever. Um. But he, 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 we're working on his quickness. And, you know, um, I said, Drew, the key is you're a really smart kid. So what you have to do is hedge just a little bit one way because then you have the advantage because you're basically saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you to the weak hand, <laughs> yep. but I know you're going that way. So your brain is already ready to move in that direction. So that lack of quickness, you can counter this really quick dribbler by knowing that that they they're not going to go the other way because you're yes. hedged a little bit, That's um, a great tip. isn't that a great tip? Hey everybody, hope you enjoyed the podcast. Make sure you subscribe and like, leave a review. We love those five star reviews. We're going to leave a one star. You can skip to the next podcast. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.